Well, g'day Zoomers. My name is Matt and I'm one of the student ministers here at Chatsworth Presbyterian. And it's my pleasure to bring you God's word tonight as we start out our new sermon series on the book of Ephesians. It'll be helpful to have a Bible in front of you uh, because we're going to read back through Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. We're going to work out what Paul is saying in his letter to the Ephesians uh, and then have a go at applying it to our lives. But before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give thanks that we can come together tonight as an online Zoom church community. I pray that you'll be with each of us tonight, help us to be focused on your word and help us to have ears to listen and a heart to hear your word tonight. And we pray for this in your name. Amen. Well, have you ever seen something so spectacular, all you can say is, wow, wow, how amazing is this? How unreal is this? Have you ever seen something so spectacular that all you can say is, wow, how good is this? Well, friends, before I was at Bible college, for about eight years, I worked as a travel agent. And I can tell you, working as a travel agent, I got to see some pretty amazing things. Because as a travel agent, you get to go on a few work trips. Now, on these work trips I got to do with work, I got to travel around all different places. I got to travel around Australia. I got to travel around Fiji for a weekend. I got to spend a week in Hawaii. I got to do a few different cruises. But there's always one place I visited. There's always one place I visited where all I could say was, wow, how good is this? It was five years ago, actually, in 2015, when I got to go on a work trip to Canada and visit a place called Banff. Now, I hadn't heard of Banff before, but when I got there, all I could say was, wow. Because, friends, we got to go on this cable car that took us right to the top of the mountain, right to the top, where we got to overlook, overlook the whole area. We got to see the snow in the background. We got to see the mountains in the background. And, friends, I've got some pictures at home where I can show you I was probably sitting on the top of the mountain for a good half an hour. I was mesmerised. You know, after all these places I've been to as a travel agent, all these fantastic, beautiful places around the world I got to visit, all I could say in this place was, wow, how good is this? Well, today we begin our new sermon series on the book of Ephesians, a letter written by Paul to the Ephesian church in around 60 AD while being imprisoned by the Romans for telling people about Jesus. Now, just for some background context to the letter, uh, unlike some of Paul's other letters, uh, his letter isn't actually written to a specific church with an issue in mind. Rather, it's a letter that's been sent to a number of churches around Ephesus, but with a clear motive. His letter has been sent to encourage the church and to remind the church of the blessings they have been given in Christ. 
It's also important to mention, just in the background of this letter, is that Paul did have a very personal connection with the Ephesian church. Uh, after all, as we know from the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 19, that Paul actually had a very successful ministry in Ephesus for about two to three years, with many people coming to faith. And whilst this letter, uh, written by Paul, was written years after his first mission to Ephesus, his love for the church is very evident. His love for them to know the blessings they have in Christ is firm on his mind. All right, well, Paul begins his letter by introducing himself. Now, in his introduction, Paul points out that he's no ordinary person. Rather, Paul says that he has been someone who God has willed to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Someone who has been commissioned to spread the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection into the world. And we know, of course, that Jesus himself appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus and personally commissioned him to be an apostle. So what Paul is saying in his letter is the original, authorised, God-given truth about Jesus. Something of which was acknowledged by everyone in the early church, including the original disciples who were with Jesus from the start. All right, well, after Paul introduced himself, he then addresses his readers, calling them God's holy people in Ephesus, who are believers in Christ Jesus. And Paul then finishes by greeting his readers with a gospel greeting, quite common. Uh, Paul wishes them grace and peace of them from the Father and from the Son. Have a read with me, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Well, a couple of things for us to think about as we read this passage tonight. Firstly, in Paul's letter in verses 3 to 14, it's actually one long prayer of thanksgiving. It's actually a prayer where Paul praises God for everything he has given us. And you'll notice as you read the passage tonight, in verses 3 to 10, Paul refers to us a lot. Who's the us Paul refers to in this letter? Well, it's obviously Paul and someone else, isn't it? But who? Who are these other people who have all these blessings? Well, as we read the letter tonight, we'll work out this together. All right. Well, Paul begins his prayer by immediately thanking and praising our loving Heavenly Father for giving us every spiritual blessing we ever needed in His Son, Jesus. And He, and he praises God for the fact that He chose us before the beginning of this world to be His holy and blameless people. Even before we were born, Paul says, 
God loved us and chose us to be his holy and blameless people. And he, he, he predestined those whom he'd chosen to be adopted into sonship through the work of his own son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins, which Paul says was all according to God's pleasure, God's desire, God's will, and his plan for us. And something of which he freely lavished on us by his grace. All right, well, there's a few things that we have to understand here first in these verses. First of all, that God's plan for us has been in place before the beginning of this world. And when Paul says that God has predestined us for adoption into sonship, it means that God in advance, in advance, has already chosen who is going to be his child. He's already chosen who is going to be saved and who is going to be adopted into his family before any, anyone has done anything good or bad. And it's something which we don't have any control over. God has already chosen who is going to save and who he's going to adopt. But, but what that does mean, what that does mean is that God's plan for those who belong to Christ has been in his mind for a very very long time. Now, as most of you know, uh, just over eight months ago, Janny and I got married. Now, I, I, I can tell you that ever since we've got married, all we've been thinking about is one day, God willing, is having children. Now, while Janny isn't pregnant yet, and I can confirm that, uh, I can tell you that this unborn child is already on our mind. And while we both don't know who this child is or will be like, we both already love them. We both already adore them. We, we, we can't wait to meet them and be in relationship with them. You know, if they're a boy, I, I can't wait to take them cycling. If they're a girl, I, I can't wait to take them cycling. <laughs> yeah, you get the point. Janie and I both already love and adore whoever our child will be, if that's God's will for us. Friend, that's a bit like us with God. If you're already a Christian, and if you already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, friend, you're God's beloved child. And God has loved you forever, way before the creation of this world, way before you were born, way before anyone knew you, God loved you, God adored you, and God couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to be in relationship with you. And friend, as we reflect on that, as we reflect on that, all we can say is, wow, wow, what an amazing, loving Heavenly Father we have. All we can do is Praise him. Have a read with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. Praise be to God and Father 
of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely given us in the one he loves. All right. Well, in these next verses, Paul continues to praise God for how God has richly given us salvation. And Paul says in these verses, we were imprisoned by our sin and we were destined to die and unable to escape. And it's only through the fact that God sent his son Jesus into the world as a sacrifice for our sins that we have redemption and forgiveness. And Paul, Paul says we're, we're now liberated. We're now liberated from eternal punishment. And we can now live in unity with our loving Heavenly Father because of the work of Jesus. And this redemption, Paul says, this redemption is not something that we can, we can hope towards. No, no, no. It's something that's already happened. It's something that's already happened when Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And, and Paul also says in this, in this part of this uh, section of the letter that God's made his plan known to us. Because Paul says, God in his infinite wisdom and understanding has shown us his great plan for the world. And his great plan? His great plan is that all things in heaven and on earth will be united under Christ. All things in heaven and on earth will be united under Christ. Have a read with me, Ephesians 1, verses 7 to 10. Ephesians 1, verses 7 to 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. All right. Well, in these final verses of the passage tonight, uh, Paul praises God once again for not only how we've been chosen by the Father, redeemed through the Son, but how we've been assured by His Holy Spirit. And it's here that Paul in his prayer, tells the church very clearly, very clearly, that God's plan for salvation wasn't just for the Jewish believers, whom Paul constantly refers to as us. Remember back in verse 3, we, we, we thought about who the us was? Well, the us is obviously the Jews. But the, Paul, but the God's plan for salvation is also for the Gentiles, as for the Gentile believers us. And Paul says the Gentiles are now included in God's promise. They've been included in Christ. And when did this happen? Well, Paul says 
when they heard and believed in Jesus. And how do they know they are a part of Christ? Well, Paul says he gave them the Holy Spirit. He gave them the Holy Spirit, which now allows them to call on Jesus as Lord, which now allows them to call on God as Father. And Paul says the Holy Spirit, it's a bit like a seal. It's something that protects and stamps down authority. I think a good way to think about it, it's, it's a bit like a, well, it's a bit like the wedding ring my wife wears. This wedding ring signifies that, that she's mine. She's mine and I'll protect her. Well, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's, it's God's stamp of ownership and protection on us. And, and Paul also says the Holy Spirit is like a, it's like a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And I think a good way of understanding this, this deposit sort of understanding would be it's a bit like when, when, you, when you agree to, to, sell, to sell your house to, to someone who's, who's, who's just paid a deposit. You know, the person who is paying the deposit shows they're serious about purchasing it, aren't they? You know, that, at, at, at that point in time, it's pretty much a done deal. It's pretty much a done deal, you know. You've sold your house, but you don't get to enjoy the full benefits of the sale until it's completed. And likewise, while we enjoy having the Holy Spirit now to, to help us, to, to, to give us new hearts, to change us, to give us a taste of the glorious future that's ahead of us, that's not all the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit guarantees and points forward to the future when we will receive our inheritance in full. How amazing is that? Our guarantee as Christians is certain. God has assured us this by giving us his Holy Spirit. And, and this isn't based on any human will or power, but rather it's God who has willed this and made this happen. God did 100% of the work here, which is saying that Paul says that all believers, all believers should give praise and glory to God for. How good is this? How good is this? Have a read with me. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works at everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
All right. Well, well, that, well that's as far as we're going tonight. Can, can, can you see what's here in the passage tonight? Paul praises God for how God has always been at work with his plan right before the beginning of this world. Paul also shows us how God achieves his plan, how God achieves his eternal plan, which is through the work of the Son who redeems and saves us and through the work of the Holy Spirit which assures us and guarantees our internal inheritance. And all this with this one plan in mind, which is to unite all people under Christ in worship for him. So friends, how do we apply this passage to our lives? Well, do you know what? I reckon it's a bit like that, that view on that mountaintop in Banff where I was just mesmerised and I could, all I could say was, wow. Friends, I don't think there's anything to do but just sit back in wonder and say, wow. Wow, God, you are utterly amazing. You really are utterly amazing. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for everything you've done for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we give thanks. We give thanks for all the wonderful things you've given us. We give thanks that you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing we need. Thank you that you've sent your Son to save us. And thank you that you've gifted us your Holy Spirit to be with us and to act as a guarantee for our salvation. I pray, Lord, that in all we do, that in, we will bring honour and glory to you and always be praising you. And I pray for this in your heavenly name. Amen.